Do you ever get discouraged? Boy, after that, we really want to say we couldn't. Maybe your husband can't finish things he starts. Stop laughing. <laughs> Maybe you can't do the things you used to be able to do. Maybe things aren't going the way you wanted them to. In that nine, we talked about forgiveness. And uh, maybe, maybe in the forgiveness part, your rememberer works better than your forgetter, but uh, in everything else, it's the other way around. You can add other things to your list of things that cause you to be discouraged. Doesn't have to be alphabetized. I know it's sometimes long, the things that we allow ourselves to look at the dark side of things. Recently, I told somebody that I have a real difficulty. I really struggle trying to learn Scripture verses. Pastor John pretty much just stole my thunder here. And uh, we got a new verse a week and a half ago. Katie, just like Pastor John did, read the passage to give us the context. And last week, Judy really worked hard to, to help us with this. So, um, so all of you, help me out. Isaiah 6, 5, and I said... Woe is me, for I am lost. Wait a minute, you guys have the words up there? <laughs> I start seeing eyes up there, and I'm going, no. <laughs> for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the presence of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 6, 5. Thank you, Isaiah. <laughs> so a week and a half ago, when Katie gave us this verse, I wrote it on the card like she gave us the card to write it on, and I... Uh, put it on the mirror so that every time I pick up my comb and go, yeah, right, like I do that. Um, and, and I was really close to having it before Judy helped seal it. Um, now, how long will it be before we forget it? And what's that have to do with Mark 4? We'll see. Um, before we get to Mark 4, 26 to 29, a quick review. Um, Mark starts out with John the baptizer saying that the king is coming. And Jesus appears and says the kingdom is near. In chapter 2, we see um, Jesus start to reveal that he is the king. His teachings, his actions, his 
amazing miracles. Some people understood and believed, but many, I think we could say safely, most, did not. In chapter 4, he is given two parables, the parable of the sower, and when Jesus explained the parable to his disciples, he said it was important that they understand this one, because if they didn't understand this one, they wouldn't understand any of them. And there is a key. What did he say the seed was? The word. So the seed is the word. But the parable is primarily not about the word. The parable is primarily about the hearts of the hearers of the word. There was the hard ground by the path. There was the rocky ground with little soil. Thorny ground with, with weeds competing with the crop. And the good soil. Now, I think we often think about this, pa- this parable in terms of evangelism. The first time that we tell the gospel to people, the first time that, that people hear the gospel. But we live in the gospel. Most of us have heard scripture over and over and over again. And the hearer is still the most important thing. Do we listen to the gospel? Jesus told the parable to the crowd, but he explained it to the disciples. And I think this applies to us today. When the word is received as it should be, something happens. Fruit is produced. If nothing happens, then the word is not being received properly. I read a pastor, he said, thorny soil represents the greatest number of people in the church. Let me say that again. Thorny soil represents the greatest number of people in the church. They receive the word and it begins to develop in their lives, but as Jesus says in Matthew, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things choke out the effectiveness of the word in their lives, and so there is no real fruit brought forth by them. Most of us are not good soil. Now that's discouraging. Ask yourself, what do I spend most of my time doing? What gets my attention and interest? And keeps me from producing fruit if I am thorny ground. The second second parable is the lamp and the light. John told us last week the lamp is Jesus and the light is the gospel. He said, don't hide the message. Share it. Hiding the message won't change it, but it could be dangerous to us if we don't 
if we don't share it. And Jesus said, if you have ears, hear. Don't just listen as if you're listening to an ordinary story. Listen as though you're seeking the truth of who God is. Remember, the one who has will be given more. Listen as one who has and wants more. Now we get to this third parable about a man who scattered seed, it grew, and he harvested. Mark 4, 26 to 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Why did only Mark include this parable? Is it okay if I say, I don't know? What parable's in its place in Matthew and in Luke? The parable of the wheat and the tares, where a farmer's workers plant his crop, and in the night his enemy comes and plants weeds, which all grow up together. And his workers say, should we go out and pull the, pull the weeds? And, and the farmer says, no, nope, let them grow, and we'll pull them out when the harvest comes. When did Jesus tell this third parable? Well, we assume probably the same time as he did the other two. Remember, verse 1 said, uh, there was a large crowd, a very large crowd gathered about him as he was, began to teach beside the sea, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the, on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. But, you know, I was, two weeks ago, when we, before we heard this, the message about the sower, and at nine, the Pollocks were here talking about their ministry in Togo. And I thought about, as I watched Eli helping his dad with the PowerPoint, I thought back almost 50 years ago, helping my dad with uh, his slide presentation. And from, you know, week after week after week, church after church after church, as mom and dad reported to their supporters, and I remember that one slide of the uh, I worded this carefully. Um, it was traditional medicine in the market. Dad would call it the drugstore. Um, and, uh, and then there was another slide of uh, this man, and he had a large pot. He had, he, he sold tea. And I don't remember what dad called it, because this was 75, Starbucks wasn't here yet. Um, but his, the line he said was, you, you buy some tea, or if you want coffee, 
They'll put the Nescafe in the cup and fill it with tea. Um, and uh, after almost 50 years, I still remember that. So you know, I must have heard it a lot of times. How many times did the disciples hear these parables as Jesus sometimes was in the synagogue, sometimes he was out in the wilderness, sometimes he was by the seaside? The message was the same, right? Do you think Jesus told these parables over and over and over? How many times did he have to explain them to his disciples? Did Jesus explain this parable to his disciples? I say, yes, most certainly. Because verse 34, which isn't in our passage, says he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So I think that he told them what, what this parable meant exactly. So why didn't Mark include the explanation? Well, it was so obvious he didn't need to. Because he wanted you to think more about it? How can we understand it? How can we be sure we have the right interpretation when Jesus didn't explain it? So again, a little bit of review. What are parables? It's a common story to understand an uncommon truth. Earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Literally, a parable means to cast or throw beside. So you put a familiar idea and you cast it, you put it between, beside an unfamiliar idea. A simple story with things that connect, things that are parallel or analogous to the point or principle you're trying to teach. A couple of things will help us to understand it. One is to look at other parables. It's hard to read this parable and not think about the sower or the wheat and the tares. They have the seeds, they have the, the harvest. Um, we also compare it to the writings of the other scripture writers in the New Testament. Because Jesus explained these things to the disciples, most of whom became the apostles, some of whom became the writers of the scripture. So the truth of the other scripture tells us it has to fit in with this passage. The seed is the word of God that reaches the heart of the hearer, but how does the kingdom grow? Back to verse 26, and he said, well, we've gone through the context here enough. We know that's Jesus said, the kingdom of God. The people were looking for Messiah to come and free them from the Romans, set up an earthly kingdom. That's what they're expecting. John the baptizer told them to repent and get ready for the kingdom. Jesus is now explaining the kingdom, and they don't understand it. Everyone had been blown away by his miracles. The uh, lame man could hardly keep from jumping up and down. The 
blind man and the deaf, they kept smiling as they saw and heard things, senses that they had never experienced. Some were amazed at the authority of his words. We've never heard somebody like this. But he wasn't what any of them expected. Is as if. I think if Jesus had explained the kingdom as it is, using words, they and we wouldn't understand. We wouldn't, words wouldn't express it. Is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Probably most of us have done that. You know, you've got that bare spot in the yard where the dog runs and chews everything up and... Uh, and you say, you know, I'm going to plant that and fill that spot in. We had a really big spot in the shade and sandy and what are you going to do? And so you listen to the garden show and he says, plant between August and September. And, uh, and it was busy. Okay, mid-September, let's get it. We're on the very end here. Um, yeah, but... You know, we got to go to Chicago because Hannah's running a half marathon. And, and what's the thing you absolutely have to do when you plant new seeds? Water. You can't water every day or multiple times a day if you're not here. So it was October before I planted those seeds. And uh, he sleeps and rises night and day. Thankfully, I still do that. And I'd done that, uh, well, that would be 31 times in October. Um, and I went to work every day, and I completely ignored those plants. I don't believe I watered them once. But God did. And, uh, and those plants grew. I should have taken a picture of them, but I mowed and I forgot. You know, it's like boom. And the seed sprouts and grows. There it was. Grass. He knows not how. Now this one got me going. I mean, most of you know I ask a lot of questions. Some of them are ridiculous, but what does it mean he knows not how? I mean, we're talking about farmers here, right? I mean, the guy, it's, it does say a man, like it could be me scattering seeds, but you kind of picture it's a man who, with intention and knows what he's doing. So it, in interpreting parables, we have to be careful that we don't put something in there. We don't make points that are clearly not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was not saying farmers are dumb. We all know that plants come from seeds. Now, maybe when you were three or four years old, you know, mom helped you with a jar and some paper towel. And uh, on my way to church this morning, I met a boy named Jack. 
I got some bean seeds. No, that's not true. I did this two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, and so we know that's where seeds come from. Now, if you want chili beans, you just get the can and... Remember, when interpreting parables, we need to be careful that we don't make points that are clearly not what Jesus was making. Chili beans is not part of it. Um, somewhere between third and fifth grade, I looked this up. I don't have a clue when I learned about photosynthesis. What is photosynthesis? Everybody, everybody knows what photosynthesis is, right? When the process by which plants make their own food using chlorophyll, carbon dioxide, and water in the presence of sunlight. That's been going on since God created the earth. When God created the sun and plants. But photosynthesis hasn't been understood since until about the 1800s. A guy in the 1600s did experiments with a potted willow tree to conclude that plants needed water. No. They knew about water plants, right? His actual conclusion was that plants got their food from the water, not from the soil. It wasn't accurate, but he got other people thinking. A priestly guy in the 1700s, actually that's his name, priestly, um, and he was a minister as well as a chemist and a whole bunch of other things as Renaissance men were, did experiments that led to the understanding that air contains oxygen and that plants produce oxygen in the presence of light. He didn't understand it at the time, but he got other people thinking about it. Over the next 150 years, there would be person after person who would add something more to our understanding. Leading to Cornelis Van Neel in the 1930s proposal of the general equation for photosynthesis that we all know and love, Or as we commonly use today, yeah, all the time. Try to out-nerd a nerd, but it's obvious I have no idea what that means, and he does. So, um, how did anyone grow anything before we knew this? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.6, I planted now, something, you know, because back to that verse, it says, he knows not how. And I thought, I mean, they had to know about water, irrigate, irrigation, getting water to your plants. How long, I mean, did they not know this in Jesus' time? Farmers have been planting on terraces, collecting rainwater, diverting water from one area to another for six to 8,000 years. 
Jesus wasn't saying that farmers didn't know that their plants needed water. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.6, Apollos watered. Jesus wasn't saying, all you have to do is plant it and you're done. What about fertilizer? I mean, that's new, right? Egyptians, Romans, Babylonians, all are recorded as using minerals and manure to enhance the productivity of their farms. It didn't take rocket scientists to figure out that seeds grew and plants grew richer on piles of scat than they did on the hard ground next to it. So Jesus wasn't saying that farmers didn't know their plants needed good soil. Now a couple of things struck me as I was studying the history of agriculture. This quote from a history of agricultural irrigation. Irrigation demonstrates the ability of humans to control our world through the use of innovative techniques. I would change that to influence our world at best. We naturally seek to control everything in our life. We struggle to understand the sovereignty of God. So many times we try to control things ourselves. We seek our will. We seek our wants. We seek our interests. We fool ourselves when we think we have control. From a history of fertilizer, you can read the guy's name, intimates that the septic quality of gypsum, which he takes for granted, best explains its action on vegetation, but this opinion is subverted by the experiments of Davy. I love this. I'm not going to explain a word of it to you, mostly because I don't know what he's talking about, but no. I, uh, I love the irony. Not only did he take it for granted, but he was wrong. How often we take things for granted, whether or not we're right. Last week, John got a little emotional as he talked about the suffering that Jesus accepted on our behalf. Do we forget what it cost? Do we act like we earned his love? Somehow he owes us? this life? Or do we react like Isaiah? Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the presence of a people of unclean lips. So what did Jesus mean when he said, he knows not how. I believe he was talking both about knowledge and about control. The sower's knowledge, the farmer's knowledge, didn't make that seed grow. And he can't make the seed produce. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, still in that same verse, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In verse 7 he adds, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Verse 8 says, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. How encouraging to us. The results aren't up to us. Just the faithfulness to obey Jesus. To share his word. Are you discouraged by what you can't do? Be encouraged by what you don't need to do because it's up to God to do it. Verse 28, the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full, grown, the full grain in the ear. Jesus isn't saying that farmers don't do anything. He's saying that's not the point of the parable. The spiritual truth is that God works in us and through us and without us in ways that are beyond our understanding. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and God's righteousness. The Holy Spirit causes us to repent and believe that Jesus is the Savior who died to pay the penalty for our sins. The Holy Spirit changes us as we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God is glorified as we produce fruit, becoming more like Christ, trusting God's plan, obeying his word, showing on the outside that we are changed on the inside. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus had told his disciples the kingdom was near. The kingdom will continue to be built until Christ returns. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 say, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Who is the household of faith? Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Such is the power of the gospel we preach here today. If you have never been saved by the grace of God, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your soul, you need to know that the gospel has the power to transform your life. If the Lord has been speaking to you about your spiritual condition, and you need to come 
to Jesus, this would be a good day to be saved. That seed, the word, will germinate in your heart and the Lord will make you a fruitful plant to his glory. Are you discouraged because you think your prayers and your witness are in vain? Nothing could be further from the truth. Get down on your knees before the Lord and talk to him about your concerns. Ask him to let you see a few sprouts in your field. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 say, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus asks us to plant seeds, to water them, and be part of the harvest. But in none of these tasks are we alone. We have each other, but most importantly, we have him. Yes, that is one pile of corn. The kingdom of God is huge. Be encouraged if you are a part of it. Don't forget to scatter seeds and water them. John 4, 35 to 38. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. I won't tell you the history of farming or the farming cycle or you know that, especially in Michigan, plants don't grow all year long. Um, and so the kingdom of God is not like Michigan farming where you plant a seed and you harvest it and you're done. The kingdom of God, as I said before, is continuing until Christ returns. We plant every day. We water every day. And some reap every day to his glory.